0: Coming up on the Get Lean E Clean podcast,
1: there was a study that um, UC Davis released a few years ago, where they went to fish markets all up and down the California coast, and they found one in four fish had plastics in them. Mm. Um, that's it's not to say that the fish are directly eating plastic, but again, it's bioaccumulating. It's coming from the smaller. Plankton, or algae, or or shrimp that are that, that the fish are eating, um, that is an issue. And also the other chemicals that are released in those plastics. Uh, there's PCBs. Um, there's a lot of chemicals that are unfortunately, you know, going downstream and ending up in the oceans. You know, if you look at the Mississippi River Delta, where does all of those phosph- where does all that glyphosate end up? It ends up in the ocean.
0: Hello, and welcome to the get lean e clean podcast. I'm Brian Grinn, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was five, 10, even 15 years ago, each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the owner of Ctopia, James Arthur Smith. I've been ordering Seatopia for the last, I'd say six months, and I love it so much that I had to get James on the podcast. And Seatopia is a company about scaling regenerative um, seafood sustainably farmed, and they mitigate pressures on the ocean's overfished wild stock populations, and they monitor their feed inputs to produce clean, consistent, and quantifiable safe seafood. So we discuss the importance of algae-based seafood, the problems with microplastics in our ocean, fishes with the highest heavy metals, the importance of ocean conservation, and how to get sushi-grade fish to your house monthly. This is a great interview with James. I love the product so much. Like I said, I wanted to get him on the podcast. If, you, if you're a fish lover, this is definitely uh, an episode you're going to want to listen to. So thanks again and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have James Arthur Smith, the CEO of Seatopia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here, Brian. Yeah. I, I first heard of Sitopia actually through Ben Greenfield uh, when you were on his podcast. Was that like a, a year ago or maybe even more?
1: That would have been October of last year. So coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was like, God, I was like, okay, this is interesting. And we'll get into it today. I, uh, I have companies reach out to get on the podcast, but like, I want to use a product. So I've been using your product and ordering monthly, like I said, since I probably, it's probably been about five months and um, it's gourmet seafood. So what else would you, would you want? Right. (laughs) Well, you want to know it's clean and sustainable, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And perhaps uh, let, let the audience know, um, you know, a little bit more about Seatopia and like what got you into, um, you know, creating the sustainably farmed seafood?
1: Sure. I mean, the, the mission of the company is really what got me involved. I wanted to advance the mission of smart aquaculture. So studying marine biology, you learn about the principles of aquaculture, even in like, breeding fish, and then the implications of being able to rehabilitate uh, fish that have been lost from certain habitats, and then uh, breeding fish for either medicinal or consumption is generally what we're referring to in aquaculture today. But I really approached it as a ocean advocate, as as somebody who really wanted to change our relationship to the ocean so there are ways in which you can grow cattle beef and chicken and meet the needs of your investors and completely disregard those of your customers and and the land and then there's another way to think about it: and how do you develop regenerative practices that are benefiting all stakeholders including customers and the land and future generations and that's really what we're trying to do and the idea is that nature has been doing this for a long time and we can learn a lot from the principles of symbiotic relationships so that's kind of without going too far down the rabbit hole how i got into it and where it's at today it's like we've been able to identify the best sources of really beautiful luscious sushi grade seafood from farms that are really advancing the methodologies of how you raise fish in harmony with nature, how you be a good steward of nature. And cetopia from a principle uh, is, is, is endeavoring to foster a distributed network of farms around the world that are really advancing regenerative practices that have environmental providing environmental services to the environment and getting those products direct to people so that people can vote with their dollars to support, um, food systems that are in line with their values.
0: And, you know, you always hear like you hear farm raised and there's this negative connotation around it, but you guys are, you guys are creating farm raised fish, but they're feeding them what they're meant to be fed. Sort of maybe explain to the audience a little bit about what, you know, how, how your company works with like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's the same with any sort of farm, right? Especially if you have to feed those animals, those organisms, Um, you can choose to feed them genetically modified corn and soy, and you're going to get a certain result. Or you could look at what is the optimal diet for their health, their wellness, and creating the most nutrient dense product for consumers. And then also sourcing those ingredients in a way that's respectful for the larger ecosystem. So um, one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have around seafood is that fish produce omega-3s. Well, in reality, most omega-3s are produced by algae. So if you feed fish corn or canola oil, it will be fatty, but it's going to be mostly omega-6s, whereas if you feed fish other fish, they're going to have high omega-3s. Those fish in the feed system are generally accumulating or bioaccumulating those fatty acids from algaes. And in aquaculture, you can choose to feed them fish or byproducts of fish or go right to the original source, which is the algae. And so the commercial production of algae uh, is becoming more and more cost-effective. So more and more farms, because of consumer demand, are choosing to use algae-based feeds, which can boost omega-3 levels without having to, you know, uh, the land with canola oil or Uh, deplete the oceans with uh, bait stock or or feeder fish.
0: So most farm-raised fish are fed corn or soy.
1: Yeah. And it's not to say that all corn and soy is produced incorrectly. I mean, there's a lot of great non-GMO organic farms out there. And some of the farms we work with use those feed components. But what we're endeavoring to do is identify the farms that are in that are prioritizing algae-based feeds, because that is really uh, the the thing that's gonna unlock true regenerative sustainable practices is to scale that as as increased use of algae-based feeds becomes commercially viable for farms, it's going to change our whole relationship to the oceans.
0: And speaking of the oceans, you know, I think I heard you hear like the stat, like there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish by like a certain time period. What, I guess, what does that look like? Because, you know, you always hear about eating wild fish and I think maybe that's taken, I don't know. I always, I always try to find good wild fish, but again, what are they, what are those fish actually consuming and what's in our oceans? And I, and maybe you can sort of talk on that for a bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, plastics unfortunately are not going away anytime soon you know they there's it's the microplastics that have broken down into so many particles that they've entered the food chain that uh it's showing up in food systems um Mm -hmm. and there was a study that um UC Davis released a few years ago, where they went to fish markets all up and down the California coast and they found one in four fish had plastics in them. Mm. Um, That's, it's not to say that the fish are directly eating plastic, but again, it's bioaccumulating. It's coming from the smaller plankton or algae or, or shrimp that are, that that the fish are eating. Um, that is an issue and also the other chemicals that are released in those plastics uh there's pcbs um there's a lot of chemicals that are unfortunately you know going downstream and ending up in the oceans you know if you look at the mississippi river delta where does all of those where does all that glyphosate end up it ends up in the ocean so where are the fish living and what are they eating in the wild and it's not to say there's no such thing as clean wild-caught seafood there are some pristine environments in the world and the ocean is exceptionally resilient and Mm -hmm. there are bioremediative services the ocean and its interaction with the tides and plankton and plant matter can break down a lot of this but unless you know for sure where that fish came from and you're testing it and you know that you know, fishermen didn't just catch fish near the harbor after a big rain or near an industrial plant, or that those are bottom fish caught in an area where there was dumping. Like, you know, unfortunately here in the, in Los Angeles, we have the Santa Monica Bay, which, um, has a d- number of deep water canyons that, um, are, were dumping grounds for DDT. Um, so there's a lot of, you have to be conscientious of what the fish are being exposed to in aquaculture we have the opportunity to raise fish in controlled environments and on controlled feeds and the feed can go through a iso 1000 production and you can have verification on those things and then what we're doing with Cetopia is taking it one step forward and we're working with farms that are third party audited and certified sustainable, both their feed sources and the way that they raise the fish. And then when the product comes into our warehouse, we take a sample from every lot and send it to a laboratory here in California that quantifies to the parts per billion, the presence of things like heavy metals. And we don't sell anything that doesn't meet our standards. So for example, with heavy metals, anything with more than 0.1 parts per million does not get sold. And what that Relates to for a pregnant or lactating mother is being able to confidently, according to the FDA, eat our products seven days a week without problem. And you can't get that unless you're working with a source that is verified, clean, and it's hard to come by. It's hard to come by. You know, I spent the last year and a half sailing. My wife and I sailed all the way down to Costa Rica and uh, not in the full time, but we, we <laughs> made our way all the way down there. Sounds nice, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. It you was mean. really like a lot of uh, running from one port to the next, but um, along the way, it's incredible how much seafood and how many environments are actually not up to par with what you wouldn't you don't want to eat there's there's so much there's a lot of beautiful places there's a lot of clean environments and there's a lot of things that are being degraded and uh overfished and um parasites so yeah it's it's a it's a challenge the the romantic idea of what fishing used to be and this is coming from somebody who grew up as a fisherman as a spear fisherman. My father was a lifeguard. I grew up in the ocean. It's not what it used to be. The romanticized ideal has been tarnished. Um, we have to be really conscientious, the commercialization of industrial fishing and the industrial pollutants that have continued to accumulate in the ocean.
0: Now I I hear you. I was, I was just going to say, so you guys test, um, each lot that comes in regarding heavy metals and microplastic accumulate, if there's any of that, obviously. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is great. Uh, obviously, because you, that's the one thing you drawback you hear a lot of times with eating too much fish, um, especially the, 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 bigger fish, right. Is, is the, the, the buildup of heavy metals and mercury, Absolutely. Um, yeah. what would tuna? yeah, sword tuna, tuna, swordfish, um, shark, Please don't
1: eat shark. Those things like they're just so high in mercury. It's really unhealthy for, um, it just biohumanism, the larger the, the, the animal is normally the higher, the rate of the, the accumulation of toxins, uh, and as in as an example, when whales wash up on the beach, like a beached whale or a carcass. Uh, the levels of mercury are so high that they are considered bio-
0: biohazards. Right. So how, how many, how many of, of like, are there, so you're getting fish from, the, you're creating this sort of supply chain of fish that's like a sushi grade product. How many different, I guess, um, areas are you working with um, to, to bring this to market?
1: We've been working with farms all around the world. Mm. Um, There's farms that we work with in New Zealand and in Tasmania, in Norway, uh, in the UK, in Peru, in Mexico, in Costa Rica, in Hawaii, here in the United States, land-based farms, uh, ocean farms. It really, to me and to the mission, what we're looking for is innovation in the production of seafood in a way that can feed local communities that's verified clean and verified sustainable. And then we do that clean verification through the lab testing and we use third-party systems or we don't in-house do it, but we send it to a laboratory. And then there's third-party audits on the sustainability measures. So there's farms all around the world that we've been working with. Um, just trying to advance and, and this network, build this network, this distributed network of farms all around the world that are unique. Not all farms are doing what we are looking for. I would say the majority of farms are producing commodity product, just like you see with cattle and corn and chickens, the majority is commodity. And there are, you know, those handful of brands that are endeavoring to produce really great products that they'll feed themselves and their family and their Mm -hmm. kids. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and I've, and like I said, I've been using it for the last five months or so. And, uh, some of the products you guys have, I know you have like, obviously, I think you have Nordic blue salmon, Atlantic king salmon, uh, what else chalk stream you have trout, right?
1: Yeah, we have the, Pacific king salmon, the ora king that's raised in New Zealand that mm-hmm. most chefs regard as like the preeminent quality of salmon in the world. It's used at Michelin star restaurants, um, just that has that fatty layer of, of just that wagyu. You can see it. We have, uh, it's, and then for Atlantic salmon, we're working with a farm in Norway called Nordic Blue that raises fish in these beautiful fjords with these massive uh, tidal currents. Um, we work with a uh, land-based system in the UK that's producing a really beautiful trout, the chalk stream trout, that is just such a clean kind of earthy, nice trout. Trout's such a unique and, and nice fish to work with. Um, but the majority of the of the products that we work with are ocean farms, um, we've been working with uh, a compache farm in Mexico. We've been working with a Hidamasa farm in Australia. There's another Kampashi farm in Panama. There's a, uh, a shrimp farm in Costa Rica that's certified organic per the EU standards. Um, um yeah.
0: and I'm, I'm assuming your selection <laughs> has grown since you started. Uh, I've noticed that a little bit, you know, just since the yeah. five months I've been, ordering you also have collars i've never had seasonal
1: it's a seasonal thing right so some of these farms uh especially with the challenges of covid have not been or they're not able to harvest and ship year round so for example the i don't know if you got a chance to try those scallops that were coming from peru those are amazing but then they're not available year round uh and then Mm -hmm. other products will will introduce at a later time um but yeah the collars are are you know, as one of the things that, you know, often gets wasted or used for um, dog food and things like that and, and nothing against dogs. But uh, the collars are such an exceptional cut of, of of the fish that is often underappreciated by Westerners, at least uh, I would say, because in Japanese markets, the collar, which is kind of the clavicle of the bone, uh, has kind of like with a new york steak or any sort of like ribeye or t-bone where you have the bone in the meat you're going to mm-hmm. have a unique flavor and the yeah. same thing happens with the collar the meat that's closest to the bone and in the case of the collars you probably notice that a couple of those bones have like this kind of v shape to it and the meat that's kind of tucked inside there it's protected mm-hmm. and so as it cooks it doesn't lose any of the fat or moisture and just holds it all in there you kind of have to like <laughs> use your hands and suck it out it's, it's a beautiful thing um but yeah we, we try to uh introduce our uh customers as uh to non-traditional cuts of fish to help um minimize waste and that's part of the sustainability story. And it's also like a great way to learn, you know, different tricks in the kitchen, I think it makes it fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you like sushi grade, all of it's sushi grade, which make which makes, we were talking before we came out, it's it's so easy to prepare. That's like underrated. All you need is a good knife, <laughs> yeah. right? Maybe a little bit of uh, ginger. And I know you were mentioning use some olive oil and maybe you can you can probably put a little cheese on it if you want, maybe some type of light, like, you know, you can sort of prepare it how you want, but um, yeah, I, I think that goes on un, unheard in the sense that you can just come home mm. if you're working all day and you don't have to worry about cooking anything, Yeah, slice it up and there you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't do much with it. You know, I think it's so nice to simply slice, put it on the plate, hit it with some olive oil, some salt and citrus and you're ready to go and that Mm. kind of italian crudo presentation it's you can only do that when you're working with a sushi grade product right a really great sushi grade product is going to allow you to simply serve it and let the product shine and that's what most people don't realize when they're like oh i want to cook like some great michelin star restaurant quality stuff at home you can't do that if you have product that is like, that, that isn't that of that caliber. Right. So when you have a really great product, you can put it on the table and do nothing to it. Like our, the, oh, before yeah. we we launched cetopia we were selling the same products to restaurants and we have, uh, some restaurant clients here in Los Angeles that are, you know, world renowned. And I always laugh that like one of the most, uh, prestigious ones, uh, they literally would just slice the fish and put it on the table with salt and this little uh, squeeze bottle with, uh, it was like a uh, a little bit of like a tomato water. And that was it. Like mm. you, you, and yeah. you had to dress it yourself. You put the salt on and you put the little tomato water on it. And that was it. And this is like the most, one of them, it's most one of the most expensive places in LA with, you know, the most regarded you know the chef has a tv show and all that stuff it's just like you can only do that you can only do nothing but put the product on the table when you have great great quality product if you have product that smells fishy you're going to have to hide that somehow right if if something comes out of the Cetopia box smelling fishy there's something wrong with it right yeah um the, the goal with Cetopia is you open the packaging you pat it dry and you take off any like any excess moisture and you're ready to go. You could cook it or you could slice it and, and it's, it's ready to go. No, no fishiness. If it's fishy,
0: fishy let than, us know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I I will. will. Have not <laughs> run into that yet, which is good. Awesome. And, and you guys are donating a percentage of your profits to promote and establish, like, is it a network of just Marine protected areas? Is that it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. MPAs, MPAs are essentially, you know, national parks or state parks in the ocean. Um, there's. Uh, uh, there's, there's some really interesting data on the importance of protecting, uh, key habitats and connecting them because a lot of the, the organisms in the ocean are migratory, right? And if we don't create migratory paths for these, uh, species to, you know, be protected, then mm-hmm. it kind of just all breaks down. Right. So, um, yeah, we, we we believe strongly in helping uh, create a future where the oceans are protected and we have areas where we uh, sustainably farm them. So there's peer-reviewed studies that the UN has has published that state that the entire world's protein needs could be met with less than four percent of the coastlines being sustainably farmed, Mm. and that would leave quite a bit of coastline and open ocean to be rehabilitated, right? So how do we reestablish those environments? Because the the truth of the matter is right now, the ocean is overfished to the brink of environmental collapse, and we need to do something, and we need to be proactively doing that. Otherwise, you know, our our next generation is not going to be able to see these things. That was a big part of the reason why. I left during COVID and sailed off because I really wanted to see and visit as many marine protected areas as I can. We also were visiting farms, but mm-hmm. the, the, the marine protected areas are super important and changing rapidly. So yeah, I want to be there. I want to see the corals and and the, the biodiversity, you know, while it's still there and hopefully, you know, do something to help protect it. and and see some of those environments um, rebuild. There's some really great success stories that when done correctly, like uh, at the tip of, Cabo, of, of Baja, California, Cabo Pulmo, um, about an hour, two hour drive from Cabo San Lucas. is this little fishing village that 20 years ago was just about destitute with, you know, cause they'd overfished their local waters. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> government had allowed Chinese vessels to come in and fish there and the the people who lived there were basically destitute in on government handouts and uh one of the elders in the community said well let's try something different let's stop fishing let's protect our waters and see what happens and this this little woman uh coordinated all of her neighbor communities there's not a lot of neighbors there so it wasn't that difficult but uh, they coordinated uh, a 20 mile uh, moratorium on fishing. And today that site just 20 years later is a world renowned scuba diving, hmm. um, site because they, the ocean is so resilient. If you protect key areas, key habitats where these organisms are coming and spawning and breeding and aggregating, they, it rebounds very, very quickly. We just have to create those
0: parks. And, uh, What's next for you guys? I mean obviously, and also just to be noted that like the way you send the product how do you what are some of the sustainable and like you know trying to lower the carbon footprint of, of how you how you send the product out
1: I'm glad you brought that up <laughs>
0: that's that's one of the cool
1: things that we've been able to do with Seatopia is that we deliver it carbon neutral with carbon offsets investing in regenerative uh, practices through kelp reforestation so we've partnered with an organization called changing tides that's up in maine and what they're doing is they're planting kelp forests on these buoys and these floating buoy systems are holding these kelp strands and and they get massive long and heavy and eventually they pull the weight of these buoys down and they sink to the bottom Hmm. so kelp is sequestering carbon out of the atmosphere more rapidly than any tree on earth um and and then as it builds up and just sinks it's a literal and figurative figurative and literal carbon sink and it brings it down the ocean floor so uh yeah we've been uh, carbon offsetting all of our shipping and all of our packaging is 100 percent recyclable or compostable and yeah just trying to do it right you know trying to be authentic in in how we deliver this because um I think that's important too. You know, it, it's hard to like tout sustainability if you're packing your products in styrofoam.
0: Right. It's like the people who talk about saving the earth and then they jump in a private jet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that, weird, I mean, right? I mean, Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I
1: can see there's some justifications, yeah, right? Like spreading right. the message or whatnot, but Uh, yeah, (laughs) it doesn't always add up. So, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm endeavoring to at least build a business that is mission driven and be ethical in the actions that we're doing there. Right. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 we are not perfect. There's a lot of work to be done, but the idea is that we can transparently tell you where we're at, and identify our goals and work towards them. And kind of just using that model to like say, here's some of the best farms in the world and we wanna support them. And these are our goals as we scale, we can help these farms and these practices be implemented and continue to improve. Because at the end of the day, we're eating really healthy products like super nutrient dense, omega-3 rich products that taste good and are supporting real people and and that's kind of just what I wanted to build, like something that would feed my family and our friends and their families and have it be symbiotic in their in relationship to real people, real farmers who truly care about uh, the environment.
0: And are there any other, I'm just curious, are there other companies that are doing this, um, the same type of thing that you're doing? Yeah. yeah
1: there are there are Um, i can say that we're very unique in in what we're doing um but
0: uh um and that and that's a good thing you know obviously i think the more companies like yourself that come about whether mm -hmm. it's for the sea or you know for you know, sustainable agriculture and, or regenerative agriculture and grass fed, grass finished meats and exactly. things like that. I mean, the more of these companies and they are popping up because I always look for it. I always say, if I'm going to spend money on anything, it's what I'm going to put in my body. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, where else would you want to spend money um, than, than having, you know, quality food? And uh, cause we all know the power of that. Um, I mean, food's expensive, but it's a great investment, right? It's pro- it's like my wife and I were just
1: talking about this the other day. Like the 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 ratio of money that we spend on food compared to <laughs> to even housing or or anything else, it just it's all on food. But you know, we are living organisms that are powered by energy, and I think the quality of that energy is really important. So we're we're really going to focus on that. And yeah, there are there. I would say that, you know, the com- companies like force of nature who are oh, yeah. you know, really focused on regenerative beef and, mm-hmm. and building a network order of farms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that that's really what we're really inspiring to see what they're doing. Cause I feel like regenerative aquaculture is kind of in a place that meat was maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I would say like about 20 years ago, people were like just saying, Oh all beef is bad and you should be vegan. Right. And, and even now it's still like, oh, plant-based or like lab grown meat is the future, but like, there's no environmental services provided by lab grown meat. Like none that I'm aware of. Right. Whereas regenerative practices are actually benefiting and providing, you know, quantifiable carbon sinks and bolstering biodiversity and providing like nutrient dense food, I don't really know if you can compare lab grown products to, to
0: what we're doing. So, yeah. yeah And uh, yeah, this is great. Where's the bet? Be- like, what is your offerings now? I know it's a monthly service, right? And you have a few different ways of maybe explain how people can, if they want to start ordering, how that works.
1: Yeah, Citopia uh, is just direct to consumer. We're not in any uh, retail. Um, we've just been trying to provide that direct communication, that direct connection, so that there's an economic loop that goes directly to the farms, and that feedback loop, so the farms also, you know, can hear from people who are eating it. So, Citopia uh, is that marketplace that allows you to buy direct from these farms on a subscription basis so if you go to the website you basically just choose the size of the box you want and if you want it to be curated with shellfish or without and then we just recently also introduced a a product that's just salmon so if you want just orking salmon you can get that it's a little bit more expensive because orking is far and above the, the most expensive you know, cost mm-hmm. of goods sold product that we carry. Mm-hmm. But it's like so if you wanted like a box of A5 Wagyu delivered to your house every month, you can get that too. So what we're doing is is just making the subscription box that comes to your door once a month. Uh, you can really easily pause it or send it to your summer home or your winter home or to your friend if, you, if you're traveling. Um, you can skip a month. But yeah, it's a subscription business and we're trying to... Uh, really incentivize people to to get on the subscription because it really helps the farms and the business like to have that that predictable recurring income. It's it it makes all the difference because the alternative for these farms is to sell into traditionally commoditized supply chains where the product just disappears and there's not that sort of incentive on quality and story Mm. and innovation it just kind of gets lumped into a bucket of like oh that's beef or that's yellowtail or that's Mm -hmm. chicken and that's you know salmon Mm. if if, what we're trying to do is say i want to reward reward this farm for the types of farming practices that they're doing and i'm going to subscribe and keep that you
0: know coming so
1: that's 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 the business model
0: yeah love it and Like I said, I've been getting it. We get, uh, we get 20, I think, yeah, we get 24 servings a month and (laughs) it's, uh, and that's just for the two of us. So you guys are crushing it. I know. We're just, yeah. My wife's like addicted to it. So, so um, what are you three days a week on seafood? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And it, you know, like we said, like the sushi grade, I mean, we Mm -hmm. can't get that anywhere else. So yeah, definitely worth it. Well, James, this was great. Um, hopefully, people listening can check it out. I'll put some links in the show notes to, to go on your website and check out, you um, you know, everything you guys offer. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this knowledge. Brian, my pleasure. Thanks for sharing and for being passionate about this stuff. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the get lean eat clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at bryangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.